Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Balance and Brews. We are so excited after a Thanksgiving holiday that was filled with lots and lots and lots of eating. Uh, you guys, I've been full since like last Thursday, so it is good to be back with you all tonight. We have a really fun show ahead. Our beer flight is full, recapping all the craziness of state and local government from the last couple of weeks, um, and we get to sit down with City Councilman Spencer Duncan, which is always a good time. Uh, but first, we want to start the night as we always do with beer. Uh, so we are extra excited tonight because our guest is the one and only Curry Spinks, the editor and publisher of Sony 5 Magazine and owner of Sony 5 Live Radio, which you are listening to right now and makes this whole show possible. So Curry, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, anytime. anytime. <laughs> it's always, always fun to have the boss on. Right? You're going to be extra good. Abs- no, absolutely. There, there will be no censoring on this on this uh, segment at all. It'll That's all be good. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's weird. So it is December 2nd already, which is kind of crazy that it's Ugh. already in the holiday time. Uh, I got so I got some Christmas shopping done last weekend, and that's probably the last I'll do for like two weeks before I remember to do it again. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot there's there's a lot of things going on. You know, last year, of course, we were in the midst of, of kind of COVID palooza, and so a lot of things were, were really shut down. And so this year we started to see more things, more more activities come to life um, right. in the city. So, uh, you know, Carice, of course, as a uh, publisher of Sony 5 uh, magazine, has been hard at work proving, I, uh, I believe the tagline is proving that nightlife is more than a vicious rumor in Topeka. And it's been at it for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, 15 years. And it was, yeah, proving Topeka nightlife is more than a vicious rumor. And uh, we, we kind of started, not to drop it, but, but didn't use it quite as much. We thought after a few years, because we have we had proved it. Right, know? absolutely. But still, of course, there's there's sometimes so many events that people don't know about, or maybe it's just not in your, you know, your little nuclear, your circle to, to know, so. Absolutely. Well, speaking, so, so Chris is, is the gal in the know. So we want to know, you know, with the holidays uh, coming up, yeah, what are some of your, your favorite holiday uh, events that are coming on? Maybe some of those uh, events that folks can enjoy with a brew in their hand in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, well, Brew Bank has been doing a... Uh, dinner around this time, specifically uh, the upcoming one is December 9th. It's a four course dinner that focuses on winter beers. Um, And so it's $40 per person. It's really fantastic. Um, And a nice kind of, you know, I think a, a friends or couple type event to do. Yeah. Um, an annual event that I always love is the Nutcracker. Ballet oh, yeah. presents the Nutcracker. And that's happening December 10th through the 12th at TPAC at Topeka Performing Arts Center. Yeah. Now that I ha- am in a home with little ones, <laughs> I have, to, and so I'll, I'm going to not blame, but I'm going to use them as, as my excuse, but I really love it. Um, yeah. they, they do this cool thing on Saturday and Sunday afternoon after the matinee show. Um, and it's, you know, a sugar plum, like tea party, like sugar plum party and the dancers come out and you can meet them and they have oh, cookies. Nice. And it's really, it's just, it's, it's holiday and it's delightful and I absolutely recommend um, you don't have to have a little one to do that one <laughs> but anyone to go to that absolutely um, Norseman has been doing this holiday beer choir for quite some yes. time and so you know that if if you uh, if you don't think your neighbors are gonna like you caroling to their house door to door with a beer you could get some caroling in with the beer in your hand there. <laughs> uh, Happy Bassett on December 11th is doing a tipsy Santa party. 
Oh, nice. And so at 11 a.m., you can go and they'll do like cookie decorating, like from one to four. You can get pictures with your pup. And then at 7 p.m., they're going to have an ugly sweater contest. Oh, my gosh. So that's fun. Uh, Mannheim Steamroller is coming to town at the Stormont Events Event Center on December 18th. So that's you know, a huge thing. Uh, let's see. Home Alone. That's an epic holiday movie. Yeah. Uh, you can watch it ever G Plaza on December 10th. And then uh, two other things that I'm excited about. One is Kyle Moreland. He does a very merry holiday concert every year. Oh, and yeah. obviously COVID changed it. And so they did it online and they're going to do it online again this year. However, it'll be on December 22nd at 7 p.m. And you'll be able to watch it on your Roku, Fire or... Um, uh, what am I missing? Uh, Chromecast, you know, on your big screen, on your smart TV. Yeah. And so you can get the the friends or family around and get this really great holiday concert that's local, locally produced um, on December 22nd. And then a last thing I'll say, sorry, rambling. There's no, a new good. event at Old Prairie Town on December 18th from four to seven. And they are kind of turning that whole area into this um, winter wonderland. So like you can write a letter to Santa and put it, you know, drop it in the Santa Depot, right? You know, yeah. the, the old market is getting changed. And and that's something new that will be really, really neat. Um, gosh. Oh, and then there's Christmas lights, of course. Absolutely. And, you know, um, winter wonderland's happening over at Lake Shawnee. Um, the Cortez always have their annual, you know, holiday light show to speak Bible church. You know, you can get all of that stuff online on our website and others. Um, but all of that, that great stuff. So absolutely. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about beer choir and like, I, y'all, yeah. y'all, I have zero, like 0.0% singing ability at all, but it is so much fun. There's so many people and you just grab a book and you just go, you have a beer. It is so much fun. It really is. And, like, and I like it. Like exactly what you described is exactly it. Like it's, it's so easy. Like I was kind of nervous, you know, but there there's, I mean, literally just grab the beer, grab yeah. the book, sit down and sing as loud, as quiet as you want. <laughs> somebody will be next to you that will sing better. That's, at least for me. I promise you. There's always somebody singing better than me. So I can just like <laughs> blend underneath. I feel like. Oh, it's so true. Uh, and, you know, hey, wow. Well, think about it too. We've also got at the Topeka Civic Theater, there's Holiday Inn going on oh, right yes. now. They've always got some really delicious specialty drinks going on too. So I'm sure they've got some really good cocktails that you can enjoy uh, while seeing that show also. They do. And thank you for saying that. I knew I was going to forget some of those <laughs> like you know key things and you know I, I love Topeka Civic Theater love 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 but there is something even a bit more magical about it at the yeah, holiday time absolutely that beautiful tree in that entryway and you're right and, and the amazing cocktails they come up with and the food and the show and it, it really is fantastic oh my gosh oh I love this time here so <laughs> so much fun well and of course too it's never too early to start thinking about New Year's so as folks are making their, their New Year's Eve plans uh, any suggestions you have uh, for about events coming up or where to maybe find that information? Yeah, so uh, I know about a New Year's uh, dance happening at the Vinewood with No Good Johnny, who's playing. Oh, nice. Um, and so nice, you know, country, a little bit of rock. Uh, but if you like, you know, couples, it's singles or couples, you know, it's really open. Anybody can go. Um, that's happening New Year's Eve. And then I, honestly, I don't know uh, the other New Year's Eve parties yet, but. You have tasked me with this, so I will find <laughs> out the answers, and I will make a little special button New Year's Eve on 785allspelledout.com uh, on our website um, ASAP hey, like by we this go. weekend. <laughs> and so that way people can go there and find, you know, a list of those events in one place and help make their party decisions because it's, you know... It's time to book that. Uh, absolutely. Plans, right? Absolutely. I was going to say, we've, got, got, we've all got out of practice for a little bit. So. I know. I know. I can't believe it's right around the corner. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm starting to get some anxiety. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll work out. Well, and of course, too, you know, the holiday time, as we think about um, you know going out and about, are there any uh, favorite local brews that you recommend people try, especially around the holiday season? You know, all of them, um, <laughs> all, all, all of our local breweries, you know, and then even beers that maybe aren't so local, but, but like, like I really, I'm a big fan of like Odell, for example, oh, um, yeah. you know, they all come out with different holiday, you know, seasonal, um, beers. I mean, it's just like, you know, in October they do. Yeah. And so really, I just suggest, you know, uh, going to the blind tiger, the, you know, 
Burbank, wherever you, you know, all of the places, Norseman, wherever your place of choice is and looking at the menu, maybe just don't order the, the normal that you do and try whatever their holiday is. And then, you know, you follow at speak a beer. Uh, but when you go into your liquor, you know, store of choice, you know, ask them if they don't have a display up because they all come out with different holiday packs or seasonal beers. And I think they're always worth uh, a try. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and of course, too, you know, with COVID still being a thing, we know that there's some folks who might not quite feel like uh, venturing out just yet. Uh, so for folks that might be experimenting with any of their uh, at home cocktails, any, any personal favorites you have that you would encourage people to try out? Yeah, I love cocktails. Um, and I love making cocktails at home. I am not somebody that likes these. Uh, you know, if I have to look up the recipe, I'm out. Right. right. So, so if it's and if I really have to use even a jigger, I'm kind of out. Like I can't mess it up myself. So for me, I feel like almost anything can be switched or holiday themed with. I mean, honestly, with cranberry juice or pomegranate seeds oh, and a yeah. twig of rosemary. So, I mean, like <laughs> you can take bourbon, you know, mix it with ginger ale or even ginger beer, add in some cranberry juice, like some fresh cranberries, a twig of rosemary. If you really, you know, if you want to make it Instagram worthy, right? right. You don't need it. Um, and then there you go. Or your mimosas, you know, try cranberry juice instead or oh. pomegranate with champagne or Moscato. Um, uh, for me, I really just think, you know, just that kind of switch that, that tartness, uh, the color and the flavor really can change, uh, almost anything that, that you like. You can do it in a margarita. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Anything. Um, and then of course with the holidays, you know, a hot toddy or a white Russian always kind of, Ooh. kind of fit the bill for me, but. Absolutely. I, I feel like pomegranate is like the secret weapon of the holidays. I didn't no, discover it, it until like not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, for example, I'll take champagne. And when I say champagne too, I'm Prosecco. Right. right okay. Exactly. I, 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 okay. So let's just be clear. Um, and then just like a little, you can get like, the, you know, like the palm of the little pomegranate juice. Yeah. Right? You only need like an ounce to like, I don't know, five or six ounce. Fill your glass with the, you know, the, the right. champagne and a little <laughs> tape, right? right? And then like you toss it in a little, you know, a few pomegranate seeds and hello. Like you, I mean, you have an Instagram worthy cocktail, if you will, but you have a really delicious kind of different flavored, um, you know, Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect, so. Oh my gosh, I was at some event a couple years ago and I had, I think that exact same drink and I was like, who made this? And right? I would, like, I would like to be your secret? friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep, yep. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, as, as hard as it is for people to, to believe, uh, it will be the new year soon, so you're looking ahead to 2022. Uh, any Anything that you're looking forward to and encourage folks to look forward to in the new year? Well, um... I guess my prediction maybe for 2022, I think that as a community, we'll continue to to get closer in, in creating this greater sense of community. And so I encourage people, you know, obviously to do that and to get out always and support local. And but, you know, taking that time to really thank people and, and ask questions. Right. Like learn people's stories. Um, I'm excited because I'm getting married on January 21st. Hello. So that I'm looking forward to. 40 <laughs> year old bride right here. Thank you very much. It's gonna be awesome. I know. And um, and I'm also really looking forward to Jam for Dan, which will be back. Um, it always happens the weekend, uh, Martin Luther King uh, Day weekend. So it's the second weekend in January. Oh yeah. Um, and so of course, you know, it's been off, but I, so, ah, uh, I think this is like the 14th year. I hope that's right. <laughs> but, uh, jam for Dan is a three day, uh, concert that happens down at the Celtic Fox. Um, it raises money for scholarships for many local musicians. It also, um, uh, is an amazing place to not only hear some local bands that, that you might love, but really to be introduced to a lot of amazing local bands, um, and young musicians. And it's always a jam packed, um, event that is not to be missed and Absolutely. I'm so excited that it's happening this year so oh yeah for sure yeah definitely make sure to get that down on your calendars folks well Chris thanks so much for, for hanging out with us and giving us the, the download and everything that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks throughout the holiday season of course always and thank you for inviting me absolutely you're you welcome anytime you <laughs> glad to glad to anytime uh, and folks again remember to check out that website 785.com 785 all spelled out uh, dot com where you can 
get the latest, uh, greatest happenings in Topeka. There's an awesome events calendar um, on there that will keep you up to date with all the things that are happening through this busy holiday season. So make sure to check that out. Um, and for those listening out there, stay tuned. Up next, we have our beer flight of the night. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSA 785 Live Radio. Seven eight five magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live.com and thanks for tuning in. And we're back. And of course, it is time for our beer flight of the night, where we take a look at a flight of issues happening at the state and local levels of government. Uh, Tonight, we're starting with the Taking a Bite Out of Crime IPA. Uh, Anyone out there remember the McGruff, the crime dog, Take a Bite Out of Crime? Anyone? Am I showing my age right now? Anyway, uh, City Manager Brent Trout recently announced that Topeka has selected a new police chief. Um, And they didn't have to look too far. Uh, They promoted current interim police chief Brian Willis to the job. Uh, Willis was one of four finalists uh, for the position altogether. Uh, Those finalists included one other Topeka police officer, Major Russ Klump, um, who, side note, is actually related to another former uh, Topeka police chief in our past, um, along with two outside uh, candidates as well. Uh, Captain Sonia Russell with the Detroit Police Department and Rancy Quinn with the uh, Kansas City, Kansas uh, Police Department were the finalists there. Uh, Willis is a veteran of the Topeka Police Department, served uh, since 1994, um, and has been serving in the interim uh, police chief role since January. Now, obviously, the fact that Willis knows the community was a pretty big selling point during his selection process. Uh, There was a selection committee that was made up of community representatives that helped in the selection process for the chief's role Um, and then uh, as I understand it their recommendation was passed on to the city council uh, who spent right about an hour and a half in a closed door executive session to discuss the candidates and come up with their decision. Um, In his announcement the city manager noted that the majority of the governing body approved of the hire both the hiring and the process used to hire uh, Chief Willis. Uh, Now that said this selection didn't quite sit well with everyone. Uh, There is a group called the Topeka Alliance for Good government, which has the super catchy acronym of TAG, uh, that has been launched with the express goal of uh, providing a voice for residents regarding the selection of the new police chief. Uh, TAG um, expressed disappointment with the chief's selection, um, especially considering the fact that there were community members that had really uh, concerns about the process leading to the selection. Uh, One of the things TAG noted um, is the public meet and greet uh, of candidates um, that we, I think, mentioned a little earlier. Um, That meet and greet was only a announced the night before um, the meeting actually happened. Um, and I remember this because yours truly here was in the middle of like three different projects at work when that announcement came out and Homeboy here had to hustle and get a tweet out to you all to let you know this was going on like in less than 24 hours. Um, so Tech has really three specific areas of criticism on this hiring. It includes making the selection process more transparent and ethical, um, holding elected and appointed leaders accountable to their constituents, and ensuring the inclusiveness of Topeka's communities of color in governmental decision making. Um, TAG actually has a chance for you, if you're listening uh, to us on this Thursday evening, TAG has a chance this coming weekend um, for you to actually become more involved with their work um, and to, to make your voice heard and we're going to talk about that more in our Take Action segment here at the end of our program. That's a little teaser for for y'all. Next up, sticking on this theme of local government, we've got the Firehouse Pale Ale. Uh, This is in honor of the city's release of a consultant's report uh, that said that the city should look at decommissioning four of its 12 fire stations. And if I do my math correctly, I mean, I believe that would be a third of the fire stations. Right, let's carry the two. Yes, I believe that would be a third. This is why I went to law school and not math school, y'all. First off, uh, I have to admit, I had no idea how many fire stations uh, we have in the city, which is ironic considering that I am a terrible cook. And if anyone needs to have a good handle on where fire stations are located, it's the guy who can't cook a steak without saying a rosary and opening like five windows in my house. Uh, Anywho, if you've been around uh, the city, you've probably seen that we have a couple really cool old-timey looking fire stations. Now, apparently, old-timey looking fire stations is not the formal term, uh, but rather these are known as Fire Station 1, Fire Station 4, Fire Station 6, and Fire Station 7. And while they may look cool, they are pretty old, and apparently they are showing their age. 
Uh, each of these stations is actually over 80 years old, to be exact, uh, which means they are totally out of uh, modern building code, um, and they have quite the set of repairs that are needed. Uh, the consultants report details everything from windows that aren't properly sealed to garage doors that can't handle the size of the newer modern fire trucks, uh, mold, pavement that needs to be replaced, uh, a whole litany really of repairs that need to happen at each of these four fire stations. Now, important to note, the city has not made any decisions yet on what to do about these fire stations. This is merely a recommendation from a consultant's report uh, that, that recommends decommissioning the stations. <laughs> but, as you might guess, when you start talking about potentially shutting down fire stations in people's neighborhoods, people get a little sassy. Um, Councilwoman Christina Valdivia Alcala, who her district actually includes two of the stations um, that are recommended for decommissioning over in Oakland neighborhood, um, you know, she made it known, but made it pretty clear that uh, you know, the fire department can expect a pretty good fight from residents in that neighborhood if it were to come to decommissioning those stations. Uh, for its part, TFD has said that they've known about a lot of these issues for a while and they've been trying to work on fixing them um, and they also continue to stress they haven't made any decisions yet that there's actually going to be quite a process that goes into looking about at what to do uh, with these fire stations uh, so for all of you happy listeners out there uh, that means you'll want, be, you'll want to stay tuned as this discussion continues because there will undoubtedly be opportunities for you to uh, to comment and to learn more as the, the fire department evaluates what to do about these stations uh, next up on tonight's flight is the Mini Train Wheat. Uh, yep, that's where I'm referring to everyone's favorite mini train and also the only mini train in Topeka, the Gage Park Mini Train. Uh, as you've heard us talk about before, Topeka and Shawnee County are set to receive millions of dollars in federal aid as part of the American Rescue Plan, and both the County Commission and City Council have been working on how to spend that money. Now, just before Thanksgiving, the County Commission approved a whopping expenditure of $625,000 to make repairs to the mini train. Again, $625,000. Now, my initial thought was that for $625,000, this little train better run from here to Chicago round trip and include meals and beverage service. Uh, so I had to dig a little bit, find out a little bit more about this. The Cap Journal actually did a pretty big uh, article and, and report on, on this uh, little old mini train. Uh, first off, it turns out it was constructed back in 1967. Uh, the company that had made the train, of course, no longer exists. Uh, it's very hard to get parts for said mini train. Uh, there's a whole like odyssey about the alternator that's used for this train. And I do have to give a shout out to, I believe it's Mr. Brent Holsetter. Holsetter. Please correct me if that's not right. Uh, but Mr. Brent Holsetter, the director of fleet services uh, for Shawnee County Parks and Rec, this is the man that is responsible for maintaining this train. And let me tell you, this dude is doing some work. Uh, speaking of the alternator we just talked about, he told us a little story about the alternator on the train went out um, on July 3rd, uh, which of course is a hugely busy time in Gage Park in the summer. Um, so this man came out probably on his holiday time off added a new alternator uh, that evening. Um, that one lasted for a couple days. And then when that one went out, this man took the alternator out of his own truck at home, got went over on a weekend, installed that alternator on the train to power it um, until they could get a replacement part. That is how committed this guy is to making sure that this dang train can work. Um, and the article is really sweet because it does talk about how much work it is, but then he says that it's worth it because he sees the families and the kids on the train. Insert awe moment here. Um, again, I mentioned that there's, you know, there, it's hard to find these parts. Part of the, the, the trouble we're having now is that the alternator for this train apparently are the same ones that are used for uh, in forklifts that John Deere manufactures, but John Deere is not going to manufacture them anymore. So basically, like, we got to figure out what to do with this train. Um, so that's really prompted the county commission to think about what we need to do. There's been a proposal to get a new uh, locomotive for the train, and y'all, this is where this is where I gotta love local government because this was a this was a discussion uh, at the county commission meeting about what to do with this train. Because one idea was, well, maybe we just need to replace the locomotive altogether. It's old. It's hard to get those parts. That sort of thing. Um, and a lot of people said, okay, you know, maybe we do that. But then some people point out though that if we get a new locomotive 
It might look different than the old locomotive, and lots of people have memories of that old locomotive, and they might not feel feel some kind of way about getting this new fancy locomotive that doesn't look like the old one. You guys, we were talking about a little main train that goes a mile around Gage Park, but this consumed a good part of the governing body's meeting um, at the county commission. Uh, so then they talked about, well, what can we do to retrofit maybe the old one? And then they said, well, no, wait, maybe we can get a new locomotive that still looks enough like the old locomotive. So people got some plans and things to figure out. Uh, but the point is they've got $625,000 uh, to do that with. Um, at the end of the day, I know we all like ourselves to mini train, and Lord knows President Biden himself uh, loves to choo-choos. Um, so who knows, maybe Uncle Joe himself will come here for a special ceremony to dedicate the new train. Um, I still don't know where $625,000 stacks up in terms of other priorities like streets and utilities and that sort of thing. But there you go. Uh, look out for a new and improved Gage Park main train coming your way soon. And of course, last but not least, we have the Loophole Sour on our beer flight tonight. Uh, this beer commemorates the brief but still too long a special session of the Kansas legislature that met the Monday before Thanksgiving to look at the new federal vaccine requirements. The whole purpose of this whirlwind session was really to carve out exceptions to the federal vaccine mandate for Kansas. Uh, both chambers were pretty clearly intent on getting their work done and then getting out of here, uh, which made for a pretty interesting 14 hours. Um, the whole debate put people on some interesting sides. A whole expression about politics making odd bedfellows uh, very much came true um, on this day. So for instance, you had Republicans who uh, were dismissing concerns expressed on behalf of the Kansas Chamber. The Kansas Chamber, mind you, the body that probably bankrolled a lot of Republicans' uh, elections in the legislature. Um, the Republicans were at odds with the chamber who was expressing, the chamber was expressing their uh, displeasure with the bill um, and the fact that they felt that it would hamstring businesses in, in the state. Um, you then had Democrats that were on the side of the chamber, again, the same chamber that probably bankrolled opponents to some of these Democrats in the last election. Um, and then, of course, you had people like poor Representative John Epley, a Republican legislature who also happens to be a doctor and has been one of the lone voices on his side decrying anti-science and anti-public health messaging coming from his own party. Uh, to quote the good doctor, uh, there is no doubt in my mind as a practicing, living, breathing primary care physician that this vaccine is incredibly safe and very prudent to give our patients. Not something that sounds too crazy, but in the grand scheme of things, here, this is where we're at nowadays. Um, you may have not have heard Dr. Epley if you were in the House chamber because there were quite a few anti-vaccine protesters taking up residence in the gallery above the House floor to express their displeasure uh, with certain lawmakers, um, often doing so in the form of coughing, yes, coughing, on the legislators below them. Uh, that story again, in the midst of a global pandemic, grown-ass adults decide to cough on other people to express their displeasure with people working to save their fellow Kansans from said global pandemic. Insert massive eye roll here. Um, the whole day was really filled with a special brand of nasty protests from anti-vaxxers, including those that showed up to a committee hearing wearing gold stars. Yes, as in the gold stars forced upon Jews during the Holocaust by Nazi Germany. And just to put a fine point on that analogy, Representative Michael Hauser, a Republican from Southeast Kansas, was quoted saying, what's next? I mean, they're gonna start loading unvaccinated into cattle cars and keeping us segregated? Ladies and gentlemen, your Kansas legislature at work. I really keep waiting for a day when John Brown comes out of that big painting in the Capitol and smacks some of these people, but alas, we are not that lucky. So what actually got accomplished that day? Well, in the end, both chambers agreed on a bill that allows employees to claim an exception based on moral grounds in addition to medical reasons or sincerely held religious beliefs. Uh, but here's the kicker. Uh, it goes even further to say that employers cannot question their employees about their exceptions. Um, so I'm here to tell you there's going to be a lot of people are going to go out and find themselves in Jesus here in the next couple of weeks uh, because it turns out that if a business has the audacity to question an employee about their uh, vaccine exception, the business could have to pay. Uh, small businesses can be fined now up to $10,000 per violation. Businesses with over 100 employees can be fined up to $50,000 uh, per violation of this policy. Um, in addition, the bill also makes those who lose their job due to failure to get vaccinated eligible for unemployment benefits. 
Now, Governor Kelly did sign the bill, um, and of course, this put some awkward, some Democrats in the legislature in an awkward place of trying to explain why they opposed a bill that their own Democratic governor signed. Um, and y'all, of course, we know why she signed the bill, because Homegirl's got an election to win here in less than a year now, um, so of course she was going to sign it. Um, it also bears mentioning, again, all this not twisting and time spent coming back to the Capitol at, at the beginning of a week that's normally filled with pretending to work and Googling when you need to take the turkey out of the freezer uh, was solely to stymie the federal government's attempts to ensure as many people were vaccinated as possible. But why would we want to do that? Um, on a related note, I'd like to introduce you to the Omicron variant. He's new here, but I have a feeling he's going to fit right in. And there you have it, folks. That is tonight's beer fight of the night, but stay tuned. After the break, we are back with City Councilman Spencer Duncan. You are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSAT 785 Live Radio. All right, folks, well, we are always excited when we get to visit with elected officials on our show tonight. And so uh, tonight we are actually joined by a city councilman, Spencer Duncan, who represents uh, District 8 on the uh, Topeka City Council. So those of you that are kind of out in this uh, southwest-ish area of town, this will be your city council member uh, that we're talking to. So Spencer, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Always glad to be here. Hey, absolutely. I know I know you've been lobbying to come back for a little while. So we, we I have. I'm like, whenever you need someone to talk, I'm told that that's not a problem I have. Talking <laughs> is one of my strengths and annoying weaknesses. So here we are. You and I both. Did you ever did your teacher ever write in your report card? Like we love so and so's contributions in class, but if they could let other people speak, like that was me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you could stay on topic, that would be awesome. Right. Absolutely. Oh well, yeah, well, there's been a lot going on since uh, the last time you and I talked. Um, so gosh, in just about a month here, uh, where you're going to have a, a new mayor and you'll have a new colleague um, on the city council uh, as well, filling a, a spot there. So how do you feel about the, the results of this last election here going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think change is inevitable in politics. So that's yeah. part of it. I, I also am glad that of the two people outgoing as we as we lose is a bad word, but our mayor and our city manager it's both on their own terms. Yeah. The mayor chose not to run again. The city manager decided grandkids came first. Um, and, you know, so that's good. It's it's not because of anything bad that's happened or a terrible relationship or or those kind of issues. So that helps that transition a lot. Absolutely. Um, you know, and in terms of the outcome of the election, I, I always say I focus on who my constituents want to vote for. And it's up to the rest of Topeka to decide who they want representing them. And they and they did that. And it wasn't great turnout, right? Around, but it was better than previous right, years. Exactly. So we'll take the silver lining, and I'm glad <laughs> it looks like Topekans are getting a little more engaged. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, it was interesting that you know of the incumbents that ran for re-election, uh, people uh, people seem to be happy with the job that they're doing, and they sent um, everyone back uh, for another term, which has to be pretty exciting to get to continue to work with that group again. They did. And, and I think some others have said this, but it's true. We absolutely have disagreements and and yeah. sometimes we have them in public and sometimes we have them in private. But we are very respectful of those disagreements. And most of our disagreements are how we want to get somewhere. It's not fundamental issues of that are so diametrically opposed to each other that we sure. can't come to some agreements. And that's a positive. Uh, so disagreement's good. I think it's healthy at times, but I will say this group of council members has a pretty good relationship. I can go to any of my colleagues and say, this is my idea and it's OK if you tell me it's good or bad. And then let's talk it out and then we'll talk it out from there. And I don't think that's always the case with some units to government. If you look across the country and across the state, I was, I was just going to say, I think, I think we, we might be able to teach some people a thing or two from uh, good right. speaker, Kansas. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we talked about the uh, the electric trial and, and you're right. While, while it's still not stellar, yeah, we are moving things in the right direction and, and you know the next uh, local election is just a mere two years away uh, so yeah what are, what are the kinds of things that you think people should be doing now to make sure that we can get more folks to turn out in the next election and keep that that upward trend going in our turnout numbers you know, it's it's a two edged sword. On the one hand, we have some responsibility at government to sure. make sure people are included in what we're doing. Um, I don't want people to get involved against government because we didn't include them. Sure. I don't want that to be the reason they activate. I want the right. reason they activate is we you know that you'll be included in our decision making process and that excites you and that's something you really want to do. So, yes, I am very involved and engaged in what's happening. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't want it to be the opposite of you people are so awful. Like, you know, <laughs> right. I have to rise up against you. And, and I understand that sure. the flip side of that is, and I've said this always, there's a personal responsibility. People have to get engaged. And I tell people all the time, you're right to be angry about that and or frustrated and your opinion matters. You got to vote. And people who tell me that, look, I'm a guy for better or worse who won by 13 votes. Right. Don't, tell me, don't tell me votes don't matter. <laughs> they absolutely do. And so you've got to show up to vote. And we've just got to keep getting out that message of the importance. And and we saw in District 5, that was a very close that, race. Absolutely. And absolutely. I think the turnout, if it had been different, maybe you have a different outcome. And so, you know, it, you can, those are examples you can show to people that says, here are real world examples of if another 10% of people show up, you might have gotten the outcome you wanted. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think, too, it's, you know, focusing um, early on, you know, it's, it's hard in that last month or two to get folks to you know, start paying attention, engage into the polls. And so I think that that work really starts now um, in advance of that next election. So that by the time Election Day rolls around, people have been paying attention and know what, what the issues are, who people are. And it's a lot easier that way, I think. Well, these off years are tougher because there was nothing else on the ballot except local elections, school boards and city council. And some districts like mine didn't have a city council. They had a mayoral race and a couple of school board races in two years from now. um, It's even harder. (laughs) Well, right, because we're going to have coming off of it. We have a gubernatorial election next year and and legislative races at the statehouse. But that's not the same year. So then a year later. People are going to be like, didn't we just have an election? It's, what are we voting for? Exactly. And there's no and there's no mayor to vote for. I mean, yeah. my seat will be up. There will be four or five council seats up and a few more school boards. And again, that's it. There's not even a mayoral race. So yeah. we really got to let people know these are pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so again, paying attention there. There are, of course, no shortage uh, of issues that uh, the council is taking on. And so we'll talk about a couple uh, here tonight. First, of course, housing has been a, a, hot, was a hot topic in this election. It's been a hot topic for um, a while now um, amongst the city council. And so we know that there's been uh, some progress made this last year. We've got you know the housing trust fund that's been established. And, and interestingly, there was an, an article yesterday about a new um, statewide study that was just actually completed that looked at issues that related to housing access. And it really kind of drives home, this is an issue that communities across the state are dealing with. So yeah, moving forward, do you anticipate that there might be some more policy changes at uh, maybe the state even and the local level? Uh, There's going to have to be. You know, what was, I guess, comforting about that study in a sad way is we're right in line with the rest of the state. Right. But the the other sad part about this is we should be ahead of the curve. We're the capital city. Let's do that. You know, I, I, I wish that report had said, man, the rest of the state's not doing so great. But look at you, Topeka. Right. So, so that's the first goal is let's get ahead of the curve. Yeah, we're going to have to start putting more money into the housing trust fund. Um, I personally was the one who made sure it was in our budget priorities this past year. Um, I'm advocating putting not quite the extent of funds some people would like from ARPA, but at least some dollars. The other thing we have got to create, which is slightly different, is called a land bank. And I think a land bank will be key to us getting rid of or um, working out our dilapidated properties all across the city. Sure. I won't go into the boring details of what a land bank (laughs) is, but what I'll tell you is it basically allows either the city to purchase these properties when they go up for tax sales. Or if you're somebody who, let's say, grandpa died, left you this house, you haven't been here for 10 years and you just don't you just keep paying the taxes, but don't know what to do with it. In a lot of communities, those people say, please just take it. Okay. Uh, I'm not. it's empty. It's been sitting there, but yeah. I don't want. I'm not going to do anything with it. And then we can go in and eat up those properties as a city, and then deal with them, tear them down, rebuild them, sell them at below market value to people who actually want to inhabit them. Sure. But we don't have a mechanism for that right now. And I think creating a land bank that gives us that flexibility is a real key to getting rid of these uh, empty properties and worn down properties in our in our neighborhoods where they're just sitting there saying this house has been empty for a decade please help me right. do something with it Absolutely. So I think that's a policy we're going to push for that would be a game changer for us in, in Shawnee County. Very cool. We're looking forward to to stay to keeping uh, keeping track of that. I think it's good. that makes it for some interesting discussion uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, speaking of, of development too, you know, one of the things that of course has been there's been a lot of topic about uh, relates to uh, some buildings downtown. Uh, so of course we're talking about uh, three specific buildings downtown that are um, historic buildings that were once owned by Nick Childs, a revolutionary uh, black newspaper publisher at the turn of the century from right here in Topeka. Uh, but those three buildings downtown are in a pretty rough. Uh, 
uh, state right now. So uh, Ink Strategies is behind a lot of development uh, work behind a lot of uh, the good things that have been happening downtown. Uh, they have been, uh, proposed demolition of those buildings. Uh, and there's been lots of discussion about uh, what to do with those buildings and how to preserve that history. Uh, and a lot of folks, you know, feeling that there's we're losing a lot by potentially um, demolishing those buildings. You know, how satisfied are you with kind of the, the discussion that that's happened and, and what role really should the city play in helping to preserve some of those historic spaces? Yeah, there's a couple layers to this. The first is I have been a big advocate of preserving our history. I, I, I was one of the few, maybe the only council member who said that we should take up Menninger Hill and mm. figure it out later. Right. <laughs> I went on that one, but um, I've advocated for helping at the Jayhawk Theater and Constitution Hall. Uh, I've been I've been very vocal on concerns about the docking building and what mm. the, the historic value of it and what the state may do. Um, and I've even proposed some things through the to the partnership and some others about how we have to do better representation through statues, through memorials, through preserving history of of a lot of um, uh, minority communities, African-American, Hispanic, Mexican, Asian, who came here through the last hundred years that helped with the railroad and a lot of other endeavors that we just don't recognize. And that's not okay. Having said that, here's the problem. I'm a little frustrated in that in regards to the Nick Childs buildings, nobody stepped up. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and said, I'm going to buy these buildings and we need to do something with them. Sure. I mean, they have set their falling apart for two, three, four decades. It's only now that someone bought them and said, these things are in disrepair and not salvageable that we need to do something. And now suddenly there's a groundswell of people who say, wait a minute, we care about these buildings all of a sudden. Sure. And that's a little frustrating from a government perspective because the only solution we've been presented at this point is come up with $10 million and figure out how to make this work. Right. We don't have $10 million. Right. I'm just telling you right now, we don't have it. We talked about putting money in things like the trust fund and a land bank and the other thing. We just don't have that money. So what what I need to see as a council person is a plan laid out that says, here's where we can get the money from. Sure. Here is the long-term plan to sustain those buildings so we can keep paying for them. Sure. And if we have that and somebody has a plan, because I'm here to tell you, government does have a responsibility to help with historic preservation, but it can't be all on us. It has to be a collaborative effort because that is not an area government excels in, especially local government. <laughs> right. And so if someone has a real plan that helps us find the money and sustain it, I'm on board. I've been in those buildings. They're in terrible shape and it's really sad. Right. So so I'm waiting to see what the the Landmarks Commission has to say and what their report says. I'm waiting to hear from some folks on some better ideas on what we may do. And in the meantime, I guess two things, last things, I guess at least we have a developer who says, if we can't preserve these buildings, I'm still going to preserve the history of this location and who this person was, Sure. which let's be honest, we don't get that a lot from developers. There's usually just deal with it. uh, It's your problem. So so I do appreciate that. And, you know, at the end of the day, Mr. Foster said that if someone wants to come in and buy the buildings from him for the price he paid and they have a plan, they do it. And and maybe someone else better will swoop in and wants to buy them and, and can help us get there. But it's a frustrating situation because we don't have the resources to do it. We understand the necessity, but someone in the community has got to step up with an idea and not just look at us and say, we want you to do this, but you still also have to figure it out. Sure. So, you know, how, how, how do you think in the future we prevent it? Because you think, yo, you're right. You know, we've, we've put years of, of it not being developed, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're now in a, in a kind of crisis situation. You know, what, what, do we, what do you think we could do when it comes to other properties uh, in the future to kind of prevent that kind of re- a repeat of that instance again? I would love to see us, whether it's at the city level or just an independent group from the museum or the partnership or somebody put together a basically a committee that would identify what is areas in our city that need to be recognized, whether that's still have the ability to be preserved or a location where something happened where we can say, we need to designate this. We need to put something here to recognize this. Sure. Cause right now it's just a very shotgun approach. Right. Like you said, this comes up, we're in a crisis. Let's deal with it. Right. The way to be proactive is let's start recognizing those locations and those historic contributions 
and target them and then come up with a formalized plan that's that prioritizes, hey, this needs dealt with now. This can be dealt with later. This needs dealt with today. Uh, I think that's the only way we're going to to be able to stay ahead of it and stay away from these these crisis scenarios. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, again, gosh, radios, there's so much, uh, there, there's so many people who are passionate about our history. And so, yeah, it would be great to see uh, an effort like that, like that come together for sure. Well, how sad is it that this week, a Topekan who was the first in multiple areas of our U.S. military and has a tanker mm-hmm. named after him. Yeah. Has basically little to no recognition in this city. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Yeah. Peterson was one of, I mean, mo- one of the most fascinating yeah. people probably to ever come out of this city and contribute to the United States of America. And we don't have you wouldn't know it. Yeah. And that's that's a fault of, of everybody, to be clear, but also government. Right. We, we got to fix those issues. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hoping that we I'm hoping that we're going to have some some good productive conversations in the future about how we about how we can do that for sure. Well, the last uh, big issue that I'll ask you about here, you know, of course, you mentioned earlier uh, the departure of city manager Brent Trout at the end of the year. And so we will soon be in the market for uh, a new city manager. Uh, but, you know, what do you think is important as the city kind of sets out to look for uh, a new person in that role? Yeah, I think it's somebody who understands the first of all, they've got to be a good manager of our departments. Sure. You know, there's a lot of moving parts and I don't need a city manager who's, quote unquote, an expert on sure. utilities, but I need someone who understands that the, what a good expert on utilities looks like in right. that department and understands at least things when they're brought to him or her and say, this is what we need to do. So we've got to have someone who can manage all those moving parts. I mean, it is it is very similar to being the CEO of a large company and where you're just trying to keep everybody coordinated and on task and focused on a primary goal. Um, I think the second thing is we've got to have someone who understands the need to let things breathe and include input from the public. Mm. You know, that's always a fine balance. I mean, sure. you can committee something to death, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but so there's a fine line between committing it to death and being like, no, this is the appropriate amount of time needed to get input from people. Right. And we need someone who kind of understands that important distinction and when to bring people in and when the, the difference between, yes, I need to bring people in today and this was this issue we can move forward on. I already know the direction. Sure. Uh, and the third thing is, We've got to have someone who understands the importance of growth and what mechanisms will lead to growth in this city. Of the 10 largest cities in Kansas, two of them lost population in this last census, and we were one of them as the capital city. In 10, or I guess by 2035, they estimate Lawrence could surpass us in population Hmm. if we don't get our act together. That's not okay. Yeah. So we've got to have a city manager who understands prioritizing things that mean growth for our population, because growth means larger tax base, right. more dollars spent in our city, more employment in our city, which then means I don't have to have these conversations as hard every time as, how am I gonna pay for this? Right. Because I'm generating revenue through the growth <laughs> that I'm getting. Right. So those are three important things to me that, that I will be looking for in a city manager. Well, very good. Well, yeah. If anyone, if anyone out there is uh, listening, is uh, in the market to be a uh, to new city manager, take out a new role. There you go. There's, uh, there's right. a little bit of what we're looking for right there. <laughs> uh, well, you know, as always, we of course like to have a little bit of fun. Uh, Ballads and brews, and the holidays are coming up, so we do have a little bit of uh, Christmas lightning round trivia for you if you're ready. All right, I'm ready. All right. Well, the first question, of course, we have to ask: eggnog, yes or no? Drink it or not? I am deathly allergic to egg. Oh. Have, have EpiPen, will travel. Oh, man. So as I don't want to be death by eggnog, I'm a hard no. <laughs> Good call. Good call. And also, like, I don't think you're missing much. Like, that's the other I know, thing, too. I, from <laughs> if you have to fan. spike it. Everyone tells me they have to spike it with something. I'm right. like, maybe the base drink isn't that tasty exactly. if you have to spike it with something else. Exactly. Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I know I'm gonna get comments about this, but I'm just saying, y'all, <laughs> not good. I don't understand it at all. I don't get it. It's like fruitcake. Like I don't understand fruitcake at all either. But that's the thing. So here's do. the thing about fruitcake. A good fruitcake is really good. The really? problem is a lot of fruitcake is not very good. That's 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 fair. <laughs> so most people get this fruitcake and they're like, mm. Mm, that's fruitcake and I'm like right. no that's not real fruitcake you gotta go to like Amish country or oh. my grandmother was from Pennsylvania and she they made fruitcakes out in Pennsylvania they knew how to do huh. it and then you know, 
So so go to Pennsylvania sometime, get a real fruit cake. <laughs> right, All right. Right. I can eat these fruit cakes, but I'm out on the rest. Right, there we go. There we go. All right, your uh, favorite Christmas carol. Man, that's a tough one cuz <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. I mean, who doesn't like some Mariah Carey, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all I want for Christmas, no one's ever sung that to me, so that's a <laughs> disappointing, but I mean, it's a good song. Every time that thing comes on, it doesn't matter if you've heard it 100 times in a row, you're like, "Oh, this is a good song." Absolutely. For sure. Uh, favorite Christmas tradition. Yeah, that you know that's tough. I think just getting together with family. Although I will say I'm one of the I shouldn't say last holdouts. There's millions of people across the world <laughs> who still billions who still do this, but I'm still a late night service Christmas Eve service guy. Oh, uh, over time you see that's diminished as families and they go to the still the, the earlier services. But I'm yeah. still the it's dark. It's eleven o'clock at yeah. night. You don't get out till midnight. <laughs> The, it's all lit up and you come out and I, I'm a lifelong Episcopalian, cradle Episcopalian. So we get all the lights and sing some silent yeah. night and light some candles. And so that's a tradition. We, we drag the eight year old still to the late service and he may get a little tired. But like, it's OK, man, when you go home, you'll sleep. And exactly. so I think I think I'm still a late night service guy. I don't know if that'll change over time. But yes, that's awesome. Uh, your favorite Christmas light display in Topeka. This one's a hard one. Uh, well, my house looks all right. I don't know. I got some. <laughs> so, man, I Come on by. I, I was going to say, everyone, you are welcome to drive I by Spencer's house. I still have the tree lit, but it's up at least. Uh, <laughs> you know, we do have some nice neighborhoods that do it. You know, if you go through the Potwin area every year, if you just yeah. want to look at residential areas. And, and I kind of like the people who I love. It sounds ridiculous. I love like 30 blow up guy in his yard. Like, oh, yeah. He's gotten all out. He's like, you can tell he's bought like a blow up every year. And right. you're, like, you're 30 and you're like, man, look at that. And of course, everyone else like my wife is like, that is absurd. Right. I mean, oh, I that's funny. we oh. are lucky in Topeka. We are lucky in Topeka to have Winter Wonderland and Zoo Lights, which are very different experiences as, a you know, yeah. one you walk, one you drive. So we're lucky to that. But yeah, I it's always fun to just drive around town and look for one, the best and what is considered the worst. I mean, yeah, it's the right. best. Oh my gosh. What were they thinking? Right. Well, what's, what's, what's cool too is like, you've got, so at both the zoo and uh, at Lake Shawnee, there's like houses around there that I've really got into it. Like there's a house on, I forget what side street it is by the zoo. That's got a whole music time show and everything. So oh, you can go yeah. to the zoo and head that one up. And the Cortez one is out by Lake Shawnee. So you can do both of those. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of spreading through those neighborhoods. My, my hypocrisy of Christmas lights is I love to look at them. I hate to put them up. So I am neither part of the solution or part of the solution. Like, yes, everyone else should do it so I can enjoy it. I realize I'm not good at it. Right. It's all about knowing your strengths. All about knowing That's your right. strengths. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Spencer, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Have a, have a really happy holiday. You too, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I think we're in the midst of Hanukkah, so... Absolutely. Everyone, everyone enjoy. Very good, very good. And for everyone listening there, stay tuned. After the break, we'll be back to wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the night. You are listening to Balance and Bruce here on KSF 75 Live Radio. Alrighty, everyone, we are back with our take action moment of the night that we'll close things out with, as always. So first things first, we mentioned earlier in the evening this TAG group, a T-A-G-G, the Topeka Alliance for Good Government. That is the new organization and that's looking to bring more transparency and bring, looking to bring more citizens' voices out regarding the selection of the new Topeka police chief. And they're actually holding a community meeting this coming Saturday, December 4th, from 1 to 3 p.m. at the first Church of the Nazarene, which is located at 1001 South, uh, Southwest Buchanan. So again, that is coming up this Saturday, December 4th, 1 to 3 p.m. at the First Church of Nazarene, 1001 Southwest Buchanan. Um, at that meeting, TAG is going to discuss those three objections we mentioned earlier to, to, to the police chief selection process. They've invited members of the city council to attend that meeting as well um, to hear their concerns. Um, if this is an issue that's important to you or you just want to learn more about their concerns and how you can be involved, uh, we encourage you to check out their meeting. Now, I can definitely see this group um, of course, also lastly, even beyond just the, the uh, police chief process and who knows what other things that they might take on as well. So it might be worth going just even just for, for that process, that purpose as well, learn more um, about the TAG group. Um, you can find more information about the upcoming event by going to bit, 
bit.ly slash tag town hall. That's T-A-G-G town hall. And we'll post that link on our social media pages as well. But that's bit.ly slash tag town hall. And that's a tag with two G's in it. Um, as we talked with uh, Councilman Duncan earlier about the importance of engaging voters earlier in the process, we want to share this really cool website with you called Voter to Voter. Um, this is a website that is specifically for organizations in Kansas that are working to organize and mobilize uh, voters in advance of elections. You can actually head to VoterToVoter.org slash V-O-T-V. Uh, that's VoterToVoter.org slash V-O-T-V. Um, and there you'll see a list of teams um, across the state. So when you join a team, you then get to help them uh, with their voter registration and engagement efforts. Uh, the really cool part is that on that website, you'll actually see a dashboard that tracks how many people your team has helped register to vote and how many of those people who have actually turned out to vote. Way, way cool stuff. We encourage you to check that website out. Find a team that you may want to be a part of. There are several I can see that are based here in the Topeka area. Um, and then find how you can be more involved with their efforts and help move the needle, uh, literally, uh, as you can see on the screen. Um, and again, that website is VoterToVoter.org slash V-O-T-V. Um, and our last uh, action item is actually invite you to participate in something that's pretty dang cool. It is called a deliberative conversation, uh, which sounds super fancy, um, but it's basically a way to bring people together in a community to discuss hard and complicated issues, but to do so in a, wait for it, civil and productive way. Uh, each conversation is facilitated by a trainer facilitator who walks you through a couple issues that drive at how we move our community forward. Um, I actually got to participate in one recently, and it was totally cool to see a group of really passionate people who may not all agree, um, but had brilliant conversations that led to some really good uh, brainstorming opportunities. Uh, the Topeka Library is a driving force behind these conversations. They are actually compiling all the notes um, from these conversations and are going to be presented to the city council. Council, um, to share for some thoughts on how the council can move forward on some of those issues. Um, there are a couple conversations coming up that you can participate in. These are in-person events. Uh, one is happening on Thursday, December 16th from 1 to 2.30. That's going to be um, at the Topeka Library in the Marvin Room. Um, and then the next one is on Tuesday, January 11th from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. also um, at the library in the Marvin Room. So Thursday, December 16th, 1 to 2.30. Tuesday, January 11th, 10 to 11.30. We encourage you uh, to check out one of those sessions um, and, and be a part of these really cool conversations that are happening in our community. And that is our show for tonight, folks. Just a reminder, if you haven't yet, uh, be sure to give us a follow on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter uh, to get even more uh, updates on the latest, greatest happenings in government and politics in our area, as well as the latest happenings on uh, beers, bar, uh, bars, uh, that sort of thing here in our community. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us as well on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, until next week, as always, please, please, please stay safe, wear your mask, get your vaccine, get your booster if you haven't yet. Do all those things that we're supposed to do. Drink some good beer and we'll see you next week here on Bouts and Brews on KSF 75 Live Radio.
Some other people.